Well, I hope, I hope we have a good number of folks online today to have our uh, kind of our retrospective and talk about what God has done uh, in this place. I was, thinking, uh, I was thinking about, you know, ancestors and people from our past and stuff, and, and I, I thought of, uh, are any of you into kind of doing the ancestry.com thing or kind of going, do you, are you, Dan? I was, uh, my, my, my sister's really into it, and she's done... Every time we, I'm with my sister, she, you know, she'll bring out these papers and show you know who's who's, you know, who's famous in our past or something like that. And uh, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, I I asked her to send me some stuff yesterday, and she did. And but I I kind of I kind of ran out of time to really dig into it, uh, to, to be perfectly honest. But I I do know that I did look at a couple things, and I we've got some I got some reverend in our in our history and uh we got some preachers we got i think we got somebody that came over on the mayflower who knows i think i think everybody does uh has a story about that the one kind of kind of most interesting story that's in uh uh in our family tree is uh, a gentleman named captain george nideever and what he is uh known especially for is there was a, a, a tribe of um, Native Americans that lived off the coast of Santa Barbara in the Channel Islands. And the, the tribe had all died off, except there was one woman left on the island. I don't remember which island. I think it was San Nicolas Island was the, was the island. And Captain George Nideaver discovered uh, this, this woman on, uh, on this island, and she was the lone remaining member of her tribe, the entire tribe that she... Uh, was part of, and there was a lot, a lot written about this. And there was some, there's some book that you can go read and check out at the library about Captain George Nightingale. But anyhow, that's that's kind of one my one interesting story that I have from, from that I have. But one of the things that kind of fascinates me about whenever you start looking at the at, at our the past and our ancestors and you know, who's in our family tree, it's like, well, they're interesting stories. But at least in my experience, there's nothing that has been hand, no stories that have been handed down from generation to generation to generation that are like, oh yeah, this is part of our kind of our family's heritage is is you know Bill Mason back in you know the 1700s and and this story has kind of gone through through the generations. We don't have, there's nothing like that. There's nothing that really there's nothing that really inspires or kind of makes you feel like oh, this is kind of who I am, and. Um, it, they're just their conversation starters is basically what it what it comes down to. Um, but when you look at when you look at scripture and when you look at God's people and when you hear about telling the stories of their ancestors, their forefathers, their the people that came before them, that's not really the case. It's not just they're not just stories. They're not just stories of people. They're what is compelling about these stories and the retelling and the recalling of, of these stories is that God is at the center of the, these stories. It's not just people did this or that. It, all the stories are, are woven into a fabric of what? Of God's story and what God is doing, God's promises and God's covenant. And it, he's writing the story. And, and so... Um, because of that, and because of that's who they are, this is part of their history, it informs their current lives. It informs who they are as a people, uh, 
that God is writing their story, that God is guiding them and directing them. Uh, and, and so as they re- recall these heroes of the past and what God has done, it's really about what God has done. And so this morning, um, we're going to read through one example of, uh, of a psalm that kind of talks about this. And I really appreciate the, the psalm that uh, we read this morning and a couple of the songs. They really weave in well to, to, to this morning's message, I think. Um, but this is Psalm 105, and uh, I'm going to... Uh, you don't have to read along with me. I'll, I'll just read it as it, on the screen. And I have it... I printed it out nice and big so I could read it. Um, here we go. Okay, Psalm 105. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of all His wonderful acts. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Remember the wonders He has done, His miracles and the judgments He pronounced. You, His servants, the descendants of Abraham, His chosen ones, the children of Jacob, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers His covenant forever, the promise He made for a thousand generations, the covenant He made with Abraham, the oath He swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When they were but few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, They wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake, he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. He called down famine on the land and destroyed all their supplies of food. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. Till what he foretold came to pass. Till the word of the Lord proved him true. The king sent and released him. The ruler of people set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over all he possessed, to instruct his princes as he pleased and teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel entered Egypt. Jacob resided as a foreigner in the land of Ham. The Lord made his people very fruitful. He made them too numerous for their foes, whose hearts he turned to hate his people, to conspire against his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen, They performed his signs among them, his wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark. For had they not rebelled against his words? He turned their waters into blood, causing their fish to die. Their land teemed with frogs, which went up into the bedrooms of their rulers. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and gnats throughout their country. He turned their rain into hail with lightning throughout their land. He struck down their vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their country. He spoke, and the locusts came, grasshoppers without number. They ate up every green thing in their land and ate up the produce of their soil. Then he struck down all the firstborn in their land, the firstfruits of all their manhood. He brought out Israel, laden with silver and gold, and from among them their tribes. No one faltered. Egypt was glad when they left because dread of Israel had fallen on them. He spread out a cloud as a covering and a fire to give light at night, they asked, and he brought them quail. He fed them well with the uh, bread of heaven. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It flowed like a river in the desert. For he remembered his holy promise, 
given to his servant Abraham. He brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they fell heir to what others had toiled for, that they might keep his precepts and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. It's fascinating to me that, that um, the psalmist is able to tell like 500 plus years of history in, in 45 verses, right? That's pretty good. Uh, but just uh, the, the inspiration that the people must get from hearing these stories uh, over and over again about uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and, and all that had been done for them and how God had written the story. It was God writing the story. And um, I think I hope that kind of sets the tone for, for what we're going to do today and, and kind of look back and look what story God has written here at Sonoma Avenue. Let's pray together. Um, our God and Father, we give you thanks. Um, we thank you, God, that you are the one writing the story, that as we look at as we look at our, our past and we, as we look at what you have done to guide men and women um, to, to follow you and to, uh, to answer the call, um, to, um, to share good news and to live out that good news in their communities. God, we, we pray that it will um, cause us to, to worship you and give you thanks and and declare your faithfulness and your covenant of love. Um, and it will um, cause us to, to look forward uh, to your continued, continued faithfulness to us, God. So bless this time together and um, just open our eyes to see uh, how good and great you are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. I have some... Uh, I have some acknowledgments and a disclaimer, okay? Um, the first thing, uh, do I start with a disclaimer or the acknowledgement? Um, I'll start with a disclaimer because it kind of sets the tone for the acknowledgement. Uh, so I said, hey, let's do this. We, uh, actually, this started with um, uh, Virgil coming to us um, several months ago and said, hey, you know, we really need to talk about you know, Sarah Children's Home and the stuff that used to happen here and, you know, things. So it's important for people to remember that and recall that. And I started thinking about that and I go, you know, Virgil's right. We need to, we need to, just like in scripture where, where we look back at God's faithfulness, we need to, we need to remind, be reminded of, of what God has done. It's important to do that. So um, thank you, Virgil, for, for doing that. But uh, so I said, uh, so when we met, our leadership team met, I said, I'll take that on. I'll, I'll put something together. Uh, boy, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I started boxes and boxes and boxes and photo albums and uh, folders and folders and, and all this stuff. And so I, my disclaimer is, there's no way that I could do any justice to, to the history here uh, because there's just so much. And there's going to be, I, I can't tell all the stories. There's just, there's too many stories. I can't acknowledge all the people. There's too many people. So I'm, I'm really going to hit just highlights, kind of like what the psalmist did here in 105, you know? So a few key highlights, and then uh, if, if you want more, here's my acknowledgement. In my, in my 
discovery of stuff. Uh, I don't know if I didn't know about this or if I forgot, but there was a team of people in 2014 that put together a history of the Sonoma Avenue Church. Now, some of you were probably involved in this, but in fact, I know there are three people in particular, actually five, Charles, Zula, and Aaron. And then they acknowledge a tremendous help from Lorena and Karen. And so, I, I don't know if I, didn't, if I was just clueless, but I, I, I came across this and I said, oh, this is gold. This is gold. This is going to stop all of my digging for information. Um, so I'm really, I'm really, really thankful to, um, to you guys and everybody that participated in putting this together. Because I'm going to read some excerpts from this this morning, just so you know. And then there's a couple other publications, uh, Pacific Church News, uh, that was published by Pepperdine University over the years. Uh, and there's a couple things in here that I'm going to share as well. So, um, so that's that's the, that's my acknowledgement, and my disclaimer, because I, like I said, I'm not going to do justice to this history. But uh, let's just kind of remember a few things together, and then if 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 you if you want more, I guess we can make photocopies of this for you if you're really interested in the history. Um, so. Um, so let's let's go to uh, let's let's kind of start out with the uh, with really really early history. Uh, which there we go. All right. Okay. This this is Ernest Love, and uh, his tent meetings, as this this picture shows, was uh, impetus for the Santa Rosa's church beginnings in 1908. So we're gonna we're just gonna go we're gonna go quickly from 1908 to 1953. When, when we started here, but um, I'm going to read this from uh, this history report that was put together. The impetus for a church in Santa Rosa came when evangelist Ernest C. Love conducted a series of gospel meetings in a tent set up at 4th and E Streets across from the present library. As a result of the gospel meetings, a small number of Christians began meeting at a home in Santa Rosa in 1908. Shortly after, the small group moved into a rented hall on 3rd Street, in 1917, the church moved into a newly constructed building located at 1st and E in downtown Santa Rosa. Ralph Wilburn, who later became a professor at Pepperdine University, was the first full-time preacher. Others who played a significant role in establishing the Church of Christ in Santa Rosa included the energetic E.C. Love, Everett Alexander, Claire Marshall, and W.G. Poplin. So there's just a, a real brief history of, of... And then I think the next slide is the first is a picture of First and E, and I think it was a vacation Bible school. Uh, and I just included this. There was, there was lots and lots of pictures of, of the First and E building, but I thought this was kind of cool because, you know, way back when, there, there's still, I mean, children and youth were, were a big part of this ministry. I think that's a, that's a nice legacy that we have, that we have moved uh, forward. So, that, so they, they met in that building for uh, many, many years. Uh, up into the 50s, and what, what I learned was it wasn't a very big building. The uh, picture doesn't really do it justice, but it said it only, uh, there, it, the capacity was like 108 people. So that, you know, as they grew, they were, they had outgrown their, um, they had outgrown the, the building, and so in the, um, in the early 50s, this next, this next picture is a, this is from the Press Democrat, uh, Saturday, November 11th, 1950. You can see it called out there. 
And this is, it is a, uh, 28 men at a fellowship dinner Monday night remained at the Church of Christ, 1st and East Street, after the dinner to discuss the work of the church and to make plans for the future. And so there's, it lists a whole bunch of names, and there's some names in here that you would recognize. There's Clay Stewart down there, the, the, the bottom left. Um, we have, I think there's um, Ray Benson's in there, Herb Whalen. Uh, so some people, names are here that, that, that you'll remember. This was in 1950. And so um, they were starting to make plans, like where are we, what are we going to do? And so the next picture is also from the Press Democrat, and it's from 9, October 26, 1951. And the, you can see the, the heading there, Volunteer Labor Erecting Church of Christ Building. So it's, um, it's interesting. So... The plans for this, you can see an architectural rendering there of our building today uh, from 1951. And um, it was, uh, as I think most of us know, that it, we started meeting here in, I think it was August of 1953. So I, I didn't quite find out when, you know, when construction actually began and things like that, but I do know that, that we started meeting in this building in August 1953. I thought it was kind of a interesting. There's a, there's a little thing down here. I don't know if you read. It says, a sharp departure from traditional church building style has been adopted and of modern function design. So I just want you to know that we've got a modern building here. So don't you think any different. The interesting thing about this article is on the next slide is it goes on and it talks about a brief history of the Church of Christ and it basically lays out you know what what makes the, the the Church of Christ unique and I just I thought it was very interesting that um, back in the, that time um, something like this would just be very you know it's part of the community the church is part of the community and and uh, so it was uh, it was talking about um, again our the the plans that were being made and looking forward to uh, the building of this building and it mentioned I think a lot of the work was voluntary labor and, and a lot of the material came from an uh, old building. I don't remember what building it was. Some of you may know, but anyhow. Um, so anyhow, we, we started in 1953. And so what, what I want to do is just kind of take a broad stroke and look at kind of, kind of our, the ministries, uh, kind of what we've done here uh, since 1953. And so the next slides just kind of lay out some of the, I'm just going to give an overview, then I'm going to come back and, and drill in, give some more detail about some of these. So the, one of the big things, and, and this is what Virgil was talking about a few months ago, was share children's home support. So there was both, uh, we were involved from the very beginning uh, with Sierra Children's Home with, with startup financial support for the, for the facility. Um, leadership, um, there was leadership from this congregation on the board of directors. And we'll talk about that. And then, of course, the big thing was the Sarah Children's Home Auxiliary Number One, which was a group of, of ladies that met for decades and, and, and raised money. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the coming slides. And then the other thing that was interesting is there was a Santa Rosa uh, group home uh, that actually was an extension of, of Sarah Children's Home here for, for, um, for a while. Um, and so uh, that was an interesting thing. about That was a big part of our of our ethos for, for several decades was, was the involvement and support of Sarah Children's Home. All right, the next slide is just kind of highlighting some of the community outreach and local ministries. Meal Mobile, uh, we're going to talk about that. Food pantry, disaster relief. Uh, before the fires, there were floods. 
And I think there were a couple of different uh, flood events where we participated in disaster relief. The immigrant ministry is not called out a lot, but we a lot with the Laotian immigrants that came into uh, that flooded into the county and and how we were involved in that jail ministry redwood gospel mission uh, community dinners again just calling out some things not everything but some of the highlights of of what this congregation has done through the through the years and then the next one is global missions and some of the some of the areas that we've touched in in terms of outreach of global missions ethiopia italy india living waters Mexico, Orphan's Lifeline of Hope, Peru, Philippines, and World English Institute. So uh, a lot of these, uh, of course, many of these are still ongoing, have been going for decades and decades and are, are still ongoing. Um, and I'll call out some of those in a little bit. And then children and youth ministries has always been a big part of our ethos here. The Joy Bus, um, I called out Cradle Roll, Preschool Bible Hour, and Children's Bible Hour, P- PBH and CBH for many, many years. We had actually on staff paid children and youth ministers through the years. Youth rallies were a big part of a, for, for a long time. Youth mission trips, of course. Haiti, Mexico, Portland, inner city, Los Angeles. Sarah Bible Camp was a big thing that a lot of people were involved in through the years. And then Teen Faith Challenge at Daybreak Camp. So uh, kind of four big areas that, that I, uh, I've called out here with, with Shared Children's Home, uh, local ministry and outreach, global missions, and then uh, youth, youth and children. Um, so now we're going to kind of dive into uh, a little bit more with, okay, this is a picture of Sarah Children's Home, and I'm going to read again an excerpt from uh, this, this document for children, Sarah Children's Home, just uh, uh, began in uh, 1958 by a number of churches of Christ in Sacramento and the Bay Area. The Sarah Children's Home was designed to provide a safe living environment and Christian education for children without stable homes. Sonoma Avenue participated in the organization of the Sarah Children's Home and was a strong supporter from the start. Two of the elders, church's elders, Leo Bryant and Ray Benson, served on the Sarah Children's uh, Home Board of Directors for a period of years. The church provided annual donations to support the program. Additionally, a special lump sum of $25,000 was donated to build one of the cottages used to house the children living at the Sarah Children's Home. Beginning in 1968, Sonoma Avenue also organized and sponsored a group home for children on Gorham Avenue in Santa Rosa. George and Ruby Atchison served as parents for the children, uh, typically three to six, who lived in the home. It was one of seven such homes established in Northern California under the auspices of Sierra Children's Home. So this is a picture, uh, an early picture of their home. And then the next slide is a picture of the board of directors. And I've just called out here, there's Leo Bryant on the left and Ray Benson uh, to just uh, on the other side of him. So those are, are uh, the ways in which we supported Sarah Children's Home. Now, the other big, uh, the other big thing was um, the Sarah Children's Home Auxiliary, and there's a there's a there's a huge history about uh, uh, that that was written. And again, I can't do it justice. I think the next slide shows. Um, uh, this is an article from the Pacific Church News. This is uh, this this ver- uh, spring 1997. And it, it, it highlights um, the history of Sarah Children's Home Auxiliary Number 1. Uh, I'm going to read a, a couple of excerpts from this article as well. 
And then the next, the next uh, slide is a picture of, of um, some of the ladies that were in, in this particular one in ni- this 1997. And you'll see Marianne is up there uh, standing uh, ne- next to... And then uh, we have Donna Ogle on the end, on the, on the far right there standing. So uh, Donna is, uh, Devin and Donna are not here today. But um, I wanted to read just... Uh, a uh, couple of the excerpts uh, from this article in Pacific uh, Church News. Um, it says, uh, and this article is attached right to this, this picture here. Um, the dues were $10 a year. Their promise was to work for the children. Um, much has changed in the world since the organization, organizational meeting in 1964, but not the dues of Sierra Children's Home Auxiliary Number 1. For nearly 34 years, when this article was written, ladies in the Santa Rosa area have met on the second Thursday of every month to work on behalf of needy children. They tackled all kinds of projects enthusiastically as they kept their commitment to Sierra's kids. They they contributed dues and and raised more than $100,000 for the children. uh, And then uh, later in the article, through the years, membership has ranged from a few dozen to less than 20 ladies. For 20 years, the auxiliary's annual Christmas Beautiful Boutique was part of Santa Rosa's holiday heritage. Dinners, book sales, auctions, craft sales, uh, cookbooks, and raffles, uh, they have done them all. 17 presidents have led the ladies through these 34 years, uh, always finding ways to let the children know that they care about them, as well as helping uh, the home. The women have provided birthday cakes, cards, and Christmas gifts for every child. They have never forgotten anyone. It says, 33 year later, years later, the dues have never changed. So $10, $10 a year. Um, a, and a, a great legacy of, of what uh, was done here uh, and all the women that were, were part of this. Again, many, 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 that, you know, too, too numerous to, to list off uh, that were part of uh, Sierra Children's Home Auxiliary. So that's a, 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 great, a great legacy. And then, uh, let's see, we're going to move to, um, I think, community outreach, uh, I think, is next. And the Millmobile, okay. The Millmobile, I'm going to read another, I, I'm sorry I'm reading all these experts, but it's just, it made a lot more sense than try to put all this stuff into my own words. So, uh, we'll talk about the Millmobile a little bit, and here we go. The Millmobile program was begun in 1970 by elders Dick Sider and uh, Leo Bryant after they attended a conference in Tennessee. Uh, Elder Bryant was the supervisor of the program for 19 years of its existence. From Monday through Friday each week, Millmobile provided hot meals for the disabled and elderly shut-ins and later for victims of AIDS. All facets of the programs, from shopping and cooking to delivery of the meals, was done by volunteers, supported by the church's secretarial staff. In all, nearly 40% of the church membership assisted with the program at one time or another one time or another the church did not charge for the meals but the city required them that the recipients pay 50 cents per week uh, between 3000 and 4000 hot meals were served per year from 80000 to 100000 meals over the 27 year life span of the program uh, at least four of the millmobile per- recipients were baptized as a result of their exposure to millmobile volunteers 
Uh, the mineral bill program had, had to be terminated in October 1997 because the pool of avail available volunteers had begun to shrink and because the church was not able to afford the cost involved in meeting the sanitation standards imposed by the city's health department. So anyhow, a great ministry for many years. We've got some folks that are preparing the meals, and then I think I have another slide of, of folks delivering meals. Aw. And uh, so that, what a wonderful program. I, 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 have, I do have one personal story. Um, be, uh, because I was on staff here, I would, I would often um, jump in and, and deliver meals. Usually if somebody was, got sick and couldn't deliver, I was kind of the... Uh, the substitute person. But anyhow, I got to, got to meet a few of the folks, and, and towards the end of the program, as it mentioned in this article, uh, a lot of the focus was on AIDS, um, uh, people who are suffering from AIDS. And so um, we, uh, um, I, one gentleman was here that, that I had served uh, um, a meal to him, and Leo Bryant was one, wanted me to follow up with him and, and have a have a, a Bible study or some time, and anyhow, I, I kind of dropped the ball on it, uh, to be honest, and um, Leo Bryant took me out to lunch one day and uh, kind of gave me some elderly advice about, you know, how, how, I, how, how, things, how I could do things better. Um, long story short, um, we ended up one uh, couple months later uh, driving to Ukiah where this, he had been transferred to a home in Ukiah, this gentleman, and, um, and, and Leo and I baptized him in his bathtub. So that was a, that was a pretty, good, pretty good story. Um, anyhow, great, great ministry. Uh, and uh, I, I like the fact that it was just, you know, whoever, you know, whoever we were delivering to uh, was blessed by, by this. I think there's a couple other slides here of some of the other outreach programs, food pantry, there's Vern with, at the food pantry, and then we did the SHARE program for quite a while. That was uh, food uh, provided to us by the, uh, was it the food bank? I don't remember exactly where the food came from, but we, every, I think one Saturday a month or something, we got together and packaged up food and, and delivered to people. You can see, I've got Vera there and Mike and the other Mike, Rob and uh, Kathy Bean. Anyhow, uh, a wonderful ministry, and then uh, let's see the next slide. I think, oh, we're going to global missions. All right. So, uh, of course, one of the big, big things that we've done uh, through all throughout our history, even starting with First and E, was was a huge involvement in um, uh, in uh, evangelism uh, across the globe, and. Um, so highlight just a few of the uh, of the of the uh, missions. One is Ethiopia that we were involved in for many years. Again, I'm going to read just an excerpt from this um, uh, history. Um, after leaving the ministry in Santa Rosa in 1965, Lyle Leach and his wife Pearl went to Ethiopia to begin services as as a, as missionaries. Sonoma Avenue supported their efforts by providing monetary and material support for the mission in Ethiopia for a number of years. Uh, following the deaths of Lyle and Pearl Leach in an automobile accident, the church continued to provide monetary assistance for Bahailu Abebe, uh, an Ethiopian preacher and, and, and missionary. Uh, at one point, the church provided a donation of $10,000 to help build the Sadamo School for the Deaf, an important and very effective part of the missionary effort. 
um, and then support for this mission continued until at least 1984. Um, and so I think this photo on the left, I think that's Bahailu and his wife. And then this is part of, um, there was a, uh, a, a seminar or something, and these are all the preachers that came from the area to attend this seminar. That's the Ethiopian ministry, and then I think India is the next one. Um, of course, we have people that are much more familiar with the India um, ministry, but uh, we continue to support uh, uh, the Pothans there in uh, India. India. Um, while he was, uh, here's a little uh, blurb about India. While he was serving as the preacher at Sonoma Avenue, Lyle Leach played a major role in developing and encouraging support for overseas missions. Um, in this, he was greatly assisted by the strong support for missions, which had always been a characteristic of the church in Santa Rosa. It was during this period that support for the missionary effort in India began. It continues to this day. Over the years, Sonoma Avenue has provided extensive support, monetary and otherwise, for the efforts of Babu Pothan, uh, who operates a church and preacher training facility in the Indian state of Andhra Pradesh. Um, now, uh, Babu has since passed, but I know that then there's a lots of other support. Uh, I think Mike uh, went over with Marnie to India. Is that, is that correct? Uh, no. Yeah, Mike, Mike Smith. Yeah, Mike Smith. Sorry, sorry, Mike. You were sitting right in front of Mike. I know. That's because I was like, <laughs> um, anyhow. So that's a that's a, a a support that continues to this day. And then I think the the last one I have up there is the Philippines. I didn't call out any some of the others, but um, we've uh, support for the Philippine Church uh, has has been ongoing for for all these years. And then we have a picture here of of uh, Dick Eighty uh, speaking at a at a uh, gospel meeting down there. And so several of our members have gone down, I think, to the Philippines over the years. So anyhow, a big part of, of what, what we've done as a church. Uh, of course, other, other uh, mission outreaches, uh, as I think I mentioned on the slide, uh, Peru, where we uh, supported uh, uh, Justin uh, Morgan for a while, and then the Orphan's Lifeline of Hope, Living Waters, uh, also, I think there's an article here about uh, Italy and Mel, Mel Pauno and his wife uh, Emily going to Italy. So anyhow, lots, lots, lots there. Okay, next up, I think we have, how am I doing on time? I'm doing all right. Um, youth, youth mission trips and, and youth events. Uh, I think I said 1996. I'm not sure if this was 96 or 97. I don't think I was on this particular trip. I, Jonathan Logue is on the bottom right there, I think. Anyhow, as, as we know, if we supported all these years, our various youth mission trips, I wish I would have had one of, one of our pictures from Haiti. That was a, that was a pretty, pretty uh, awesome, awesome trip. Um, and then I think uh, and I have one more picture of youth. It's youth rallies. Uh, there's, there was, I mean, I, I have myself, I have hundreds and hundreds and thousands of pictures of youth we could have could have put up, uh, and then Bryce has a ton also that we could have used, but I think there's one more there for uh, youth rally, uh, youth rally picture on the next slide. There we go. It's one of our youth rallies. I think it's where we'd taken out all the pews, made people sit on, we did crazy things at youth rallies. If you remember some of those, a lot of you were involved in those, and we did crazy things at youth rallies. Um, 
I think that's the last kind of historical overview slide I have. There's, like I said, there was so much, so much to tell, and there were so many stories, and, um, and you all have your own stories and memories, and, and um, I, w- I thought a good project would be for someone to, it's, it's, it, would take a wa- it would take a while, and it would take a group of people to do this over a long period of time, is to go through all of the boxes and boxes of stuff that Lorena and Karen kept, kept copies of, and multi- copies of copies of copies, and sort through all that, organize it, getting, you know, keep what's important, and, and have a team work on that. Um, um, Sterling helped me bring in from my car, I, t- I had taken all these boxes home, and I had these totes, and boxes, and bags, of all these photo albums, and and folders of history, and um, it would be wonderful for someone to actually go through and and organize all that and put, just decide what's important to keep and you know what can be tossed because it's it's right now especially after I went through it it's a mess it's an absolute mess very disorganized. Um, all right, I wanted to uh, I wanted to close with uh, some uh, excerpts from um, Pacific Church News again. This was a this was a article that came out in the fall version fall edition 1993 from pacific church news it was a it was uh it was a story that uh goes back it talks about um not only talks about santa rosa it talks about the forest field church it talks about pacific christian academy uh it talks about kind of the the, the broader history of of the church in sonoma county and then it then it switches focus and talks about uh, Sonoma Avenue, and I think that was that was our 40-year anniversary. And Jerry Rushford came up here, so I think he was kind of involved in making getting this this article published in um, in Pacific Church News in 1993 at our 40-year at our 40-year history mark. And so I just wanted to share. I thought it would be just encouraging to hear uh, the perspective from someone looking from the outside in at at our congregation and. and what we had done in our community. So I've got, um, I've got some excerpts from this article. Um, uh, every once in a while we come upon someone or something that has influence or attainments far beyond what would be reasonably expected. Such is the case for the Church of Christ in Santa Rosa, California. Never more than 300 members. Throughout most of its existence, the membership has ranged from 100 to 200. And yet probably no other congregation among California Churches of Christ has made so great an impact on world missions as this one small body of Christians. Interesting perspective. In, this, in 1970, the Millmobile program was started, and it continues to this day. Several teams of people plan, prepare, and deliver meals to shut-ins in the area, irrespective of whether the bedridden are Christians or not. It, it's a, and then later on, it's a small church that do, has done big thing, says 80. He recounts the church's support of Babu Pothan in India, Bahailua Baby in Ethiopia, Jesse Duque in the Philippines, and others. The congregation individuals continue to support WEI. And then the final uh, excerpt I have um, is, the Santa Rosa Church has never been an influential church of 2,000 or 1,000 or even 500 members. But it, in its own way, from its base in a small city in Northern California, it, it has reached around the world to preach the gospel on several continents while it reached around town, sharing the good news, feeding the bedridden and poor, teaching the children, and caring for the orphans. Great, a, a great article. 
So I want to wrap up with uh, an exhortation from um, Hebrews chapter 12. Um, just a little background before we, before we wrap this up. Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians. Uh, and when you think about the, uh, where they were at the time, this would, this would have been like, uh, by most accounts, kind of in the mid-60s, uh, you know, before the, right before the destruction of Jerusalem. And you think about here, you know, the, there's a small group of people who, who are Jewish who have decided to follow Jesus. And they're likely a small and by the world standards very insignificant group of people following Jesus. And they're, the nation of Israel is not great like it used to be. Uh, it's, it's, under Roman, it's still under Roman control and will soon... The, the temple's going to be destroyed and basically everything about their identity is going to be wiped out in a few years. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, if you're familiar with chapter 11, it, it talks about all the great people of faith in Israel's history. Uh, and it lists a whole bunch of people and then it just talks about you know, people in general. And too many to na- there's too many to name. Uh, they're, 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 and they did this, and they did that, and this was the type of character they had. And so, so you have this long chapter of, of all these great things that people of, of, of faith did. And now he's speaking to people who don't really have that identity so, so much anymore. It's, it's about following Jesus. And so, um, so he writes this. He, he, he uh, follows the the uh, all the the narrative about the people of faith and he and he and he says this in Hebrews chapter 12 therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I think about kind of wrapping this up today that we have this, in our own way, we have this surrounded by this great uh, cloud of witnesses that has gone before us and some of us, some are still among us. Um, But the admonition and and the exhortation is is to fix our eyes on Jesus and run the race. And when you run a race, I don't know if any of you have ever run a race before, but where do you look when you're running a race? You look forward. You look forward. And the, and the encouragement of, of the author here is, is to fix our eyes on Jesus. We have all these great people in our past that are cheering us on, but we still have a race to run. And the race is in front of us. And it's not behind us, and it's not up in the crowd. It's in front of us. And so I think our exhortation as I, as I think about it today is, yeah, things are different than they were 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 70 years ago. But we still have a race. And we still have Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, in front of us. And let's keep our eyes fixed on him. And... Um, And I think that's our encouragement from looking at at our history.